Every day, amazing humans are connecting with their power as individuals to change the lives of others, to create opportunities, to fight injustice, to care for the planet. It's my mission to raise these amazing humans up and in harnessing the power of their stories, bring energy, passion, and inspiration to your day, to connect you with your unique abilities to impact the world. Every time you click play on this show, you will be inspired, empowered, and reminded that with every decision, you have the ability to touch lives and leave a positive legacy. Thank you for joining us as we share stories from across the world. Thank you for believing that you can make a difference. This is Impact Stories with Nick Kershaw. Once more, I want to kick off the show with a huge thank you to all of you for your support. It's been an amazing first three months of creating uh, this Impact Stories podcast. We've grown over 100% in listenership in March alone, and I'm massively thankful and grateful to everyone for, for listening and tuning in. We've got a lot of ideas building and loads of you have been messaging about guests that you think we should have on the show as well. So please keep those coming in and I'll keep reaching out uh, to chat to new, amazing, awesome people. Now, I'm following on from the brilliant chat we had last time with Liz Warner with another guest known mainly for running around the world. But rather than focusing on the conversation about running, I wanted to delve into the journey into philanthropy. Nick Butter is the first person in history to run a marathon in every country on earth, hitting up 196 countries in just a two-year time frame in what was a pretty remarkable and Herculean feat, especially when we consider it finished just two months before the world changed forever. Along the way, he raised over a quarter million pounds for Prostate Cancer UK and inspired innumerable men to get their first checks done. Now, I first heard about Nick when I was sat in our team apartment in Guatemala and one of our teams saw his name pop up on Facebook that he was looking for running buddies the next day. Now, normally in the British travel and adventure scene, I knew the names and I have to say I didn't think much of a name I hadn't heard of doing something which seemed quite ridiculous until the next day when we were in the lobby of the Porter Hotel in Antigua, Guatemala, waiting for Nick. And he walked in and he had this energy and this smile and he was totally surprised by the amount of people there to run with him. He actually didn't know there was anybody to come and run. Now, from that run, some of our best and biggest supporters of our Guatemala race, other runners that turned up to run with him that day, have come into the impact world. And some of them have continued to be really very close friends for me in the country. And that's largely because of the way that Nick harnessed the power of running to connect and unite the people that he was running with. Since that day, a friendship was formed uh, between us. And now three years on, we're about to embark on our first challenge together, the creation of the 196 Foundation, of which I am honoured to be the chair. It's a pretty unique concept in the impact world. And I think you'll be intrigued to hear more about the vision. Uh, it's definitely different, but I'll leave that for you to listen to in the chat. Now, this recording was actually done in person. I know, real humans talking and not through a screen. There was no pixels. It was quite wonderful. Nick's next challenge is to run two marathons a day for 100 days to run around the entirety of Britain. This is all to kick off the fundraising for the 196 Foundation, as well as to stretch his legs a bit over the next few months. We started off with a bit of run chat. We couldn't avoid that, but then moved on to that which truly inspires me and is what this show is all about, how you can start creating your impact. 
Now, as I said, the recording was done in person in his van that he lives out of. And we were parked up on the beachfront of Boscombe in Poole. The sun was shining, but it does mean there is a background noise with people going past the van. But more importantly, his dog, Poppy, was trying to get comfortable. So for the first few minutes, you'll find there's a little bit extra background noise, but it gets a lot better uh, thereafter. So that's it. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the interview here with Nick Butter. This is my first one in real life. First impact stories. I'm honoured. And we're in a van on the coast, south coast of England. We've been five days out in the woods training for your next challenge. Yeah. How's it looking? Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully training. Oh, wow. I mean, you seem pretty happy with where you're at ahead of it. Mentally, I'm happy. I know my body's not there, but I feel like I've done, I feel like I've left left it too late and then I'm not going to write the perfect essay now. That's kind of like the, you know, you do your homework in yeah. school when you've left it too late. You're not going to do it perfectly, but you'll probably get it done and get and do enough. I mean, sometimes you do really well. I often did yeah. really well on those ones where it was, yeah. you're, you're just having to get it done in time. I know. I know we've spoken about it, but I, I want to get to the first, I want to get to the first two weeks. Mm. If we get two weeks into the challenge and I've not got an injury and I'm not going out of my mind with exhaustion, because I'm a little bit worried about those two things, injury and tiredness, and then getting on with the with the team enough, you know, making sure the team are happy, making sure we're running okay. You know, if we have horrendous weather the first week, yeah. uh, there's all these little things that will make a difference. And I know, I'll, I know for pretty much the entirety of this next few days 100 days i will be regretting not doing more training um but then you know december the 24th was the last time i ran a double i think for mm. the end of italy um and so that's not that long ago no uh so i know my body can do it i just need to make sure my my bones and my muscles are all talking to each other and we can keep putting one foot in front of the other and you've got a crew for this one yeah this is this is going to be probably my biggest thing I've done with a crew anywhere in the world and it's in Britain certainly the biggest thing I will do uh, in the UK because there isn't any more you know I can't run any further unless I did two laps of the country maybe um, so yeah we've got a crew um, so we have my girlfriend Nikki and our little puppy poppy who's here with me now um, there you go <laughs> there she is <laughs> um, they will be in in our converted van um supporting from the sidelines uh but you know being available to help but not have the responsibilities like they had in italy because yeah. that was testing to say the least mm. but i mean hat off to nikki for for getting through that one and then we have a, a like a, a film and a photography crew which are in a, their own van that they'll follow follow us for the whole hundred days and then i have a few select photographers and, and friends that are photographers around the country that will kind of chip in and support those um so that'll be good fun and then we have me mm. and my good friend Andy, Andy of Running the World, who did mm. 19 marathons with me in 19 different countries on that journey. Um, he's a great, a great friend, a great runner, but generally he's just so laid back, we shouldn't have many troubles. Um, but he's, it's going to be tough for him to mm. support me. So it's going to be me and him in one van. Um, so that's the third van. So you've got Nikki and Poppy, you've got the photographers, you've got me and Andy. And then there's two other supporters, um, brilliant guys, Robin and Paul, who will be helping on the on the sidelines, ideally in another van, but we don't have the, the finances to find another van to house them. Mm. Then you have to pay fuel and food. So there's all those, you know, boring logistical bits, which you don't really yeah. want to have to deal with, but you have to. So yeah, we've got a team and I, there's pros and cons with that, as you know. Mm. You, you, you don't know whether you're going to have a 
a day where people fall out and over 100 days, that definitely ha will happen. Mm. Um, I just hope that people communicate enough and we've spoken about that and we're going to try and have regular check-ins and I'm not going to have the mental capacity to be able to really deal with that. So mm. I have to trust independent team members. Then we've got my manager, Yaz, who will be joining Nikki in um, various occasions around the, the 100 days. Um, but she'll be working remotely to kind of pull the strings, making sure we're keeping the brands happy, making sure we're keeping my legs turning um, and mm. that we're we're capturing the journey because there's no point doing the journey if we're not going to raise the funds and the awareness for the cause. Um, and so the publicity is such a, I know, another string of our focus, I suppose. I guess it's a bit like in the sports world, this is a bit of a like a home game for you. Mm. You know, you've, 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 since November, mm. when, you've, when everything finished, in November over a year ago now, yeah. and that was a team effort, but you were, you were out there on your own. You know, you were waking up in a hotel room every morning going, okay, I've got to go out there. Yeah. And now you come back and it's, um, you know, because of, because of the times we're in, yeah. it seems like quite a fun thing to, mm. to engage the runners in Britain. Yes. As yeah, a loads British of, runner. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Loads of followers that have supported me all you know, for the last you know, five or six years. They've been in the UK mm. predominantly, and I've not been doing stuff in the UK. We go and run Italy, we go and do Ireland, we go and do um, London to Paris, we go and do various races around the world, and they're not in the UK. But I have to say, I think we're very fortunate that we've got one of the best places to be. And mm. if you're going to run, in my opinion, if you're going to run in Britain, run around the coast <laughs> because it's the best place. We're on the coast now, we're literally parked, what, I don't know, what, how many meters is that? Five meters from the sand. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. I grew up by the coast, so I'm going to enjoy that. But having the having the people be able to join me, mm. British people be able to converse, have conversations. I think there's pros and cons with that because, as you know, elsewhere with the, in the world, you have you learn stuff. Your mind's taken away with learning the languages, the people you're speaking mm. to. You're thinking about the food. You're thinking about Wi-Fi connectivity. You're thinking about all those stuff and all those things. And then you have the other stuff in the UK, which is going to be maybe I'm going to have hopefully loads and loads of people coming around with me. Yeah. And that might turn out to be too exhausting yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm going to be able to converse with people. We're not going to, you know, there's going to be more of that. So and that's not, not passed me by as a little concern, but also mm. and I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely ready emotionally for this. Yeah. Body wise, well, we'll as we out. just touched on, like, yeah, we'll find out. I don't think my body is ready, but I just hope it will cling on to get up that mm. curve enough. Um, and before we kind of end the, the, the running section, because I don't want to talk to you too mm. much about running. You're really good at talking about running. Mm. But, um, and it's such a part of both of our lives that it would be weird if we didn't talk about that. So we're kind of yeah, yeah. acknowledging the elephant in the van mm -hmm. um, early on. And <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> and um, and just wanted to just, we, we're here again on the front here in Boscombe and you've got people running up and down and running is such a, an incredibly uniting tool. Mm. And I get excited about its ability to unite humanity, to unite individuals and as a collective. And I guess the question is, what what has running meant for you on a personal level in terms of what it's done in your life? Mm. I think it's allowed me to be calmer. Mm. Um, I think it's allowed me an outlet um, initially. So that's on a very basic level and as a 2D level, that's a, it's allowed me to have self-therapy, you know, mm. and I think that's the same for many runners, but it's, I really feel like it's, you know, I've not suffered huge trauma, but I've had... I think everybody has those moments in their life when they just need to find a bit of peace. And fortunately mm. through running and the further you run and the longer you run, then you're going to have it for longer. So, so that's on, that's number one, that's the basics. And then the other aspect is the community. 
having so many friends, like you're one of them, you know, mm. we met in Guatemala. <laughs> um, we also met up with another friend of ours a couple of days ago, Andy, mm. um, who I met in uh, Niger. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to have all of those connections. And I think it has literally made my life uh, and everything I do with work possible. Um, so I've turned my life and work into the same thing, which is kind of what I want everybody to do in their lives yeah you know if you can do what you love and make enough money to keep ticking over and i know we've spoken about that over the last few days it's uh, i'm happy mm. there isn't anything uh, anything else to go so running has made everything in my life better yeah um don't get me wrong it's uh those windy horrible days and the moments where you get hit by the car or you ch get chased by the dogs or yeah all that sort of stuff but that's part of it you know you've got to have those downs in order to experience the ups so yeah yeah cross the finishing line in athens and you know, that was the end of what was years of planning yeah. oh yeah yeah and work and two years of actually being out yeah. on the road yeah uh, and I guess a lot of the interviews you then had was always, it would always ask the same question of what's next, what's next. And yeah. there's always a pressure to, to go on to something new and, and try yeah. and beat it. And as an adventurer, yeah. that's always the pressure, but you've gone a slightly different route in terms of putting together the 196 group. Mm. And I just wanted you to talk us through what that's looking like now, but also what it's what you dream it can be in the mm. future. I think the 196, we set the 196 group up. Originally, it was a, you know, a business name just to keep everything nice and neat. And then it started to grow and we realised that that's everything that we're doing can fit under that that group nicely. Mm. Um, so within the 196 group, we have everything from the expeditions, the challenges that I take on. We have the 196 Foundation, which we'll talk about. We have Free Your Footprint, that initiative, which is what I'm hoping is going to be the the central hub for runners um, to be able to engage with environmentalism, um, which I'm really excited about. And we've got some brilliant volunteers working on. Um, and then you have, uh, we have um, something called the Adventure Annual, which is going to be a, a, a one yearly, uh, every year we'll have a magazine where we have 52 individual profiles that talk about their stories of adventure very high quality but kind of lovingly put together not trying to make money out of it but just just use it as a bit of a we can look back in years to come and go yeah we did that as a nice piece an actual piece um and then the other thing is the adventure grant so we're hoping to be able to be the world's largest adventure grant whereby we we give £20,000 to one individual per year mm. to support their adventure. And that could be somebody that wants to go on a tiny micro-adventure. You like that, Poppy? Yes? Okay. Somebody that wants to go on a tiny micro-adventure or somebody that wants to go and do some some big, big challenge mm. that costs £100,000. And so that's all ready to go, more or less. We haven't launched the Adventure Grant or the Adventure Annual yet, frankly, because as I know your life is similar, you juggle mm. loads of things at the same mm. time and you have to, I want to do it right or not at all. So um, we're ready to go. Like the websites are all created and we have the people working on it and we have the donors coming in. So that, that adventure grant, as an example, we we're asking 20 individuals every year to give a thousand pounds of their yeah. own money without any expe expectations on returns. It's just, we want to give to support adventure. So I'm, I'm really pleased that that's coming together uh, and we have great volunteers working on that as well. So all of these bits fit into to the 196 group. And I think that is effectively, it's just what me and my career is all about. 
um, and then the rest will follow. What I could dream it will be is that you know, free your footprint gets huge, and, mm. and we are the face of environmental. Okay, so let's talk us. about free your because yeah. actually, I don't think I know much about this. Okay. This is one we haven't talked about, okay. even the last few days of running. Yeah. From step one, what is free your footprint, and yeah. and how can people get involved in it? Yeah, so Free Your Footprint, um, we haven't spoken about it much, I guess, because we've had so many other things to talk about. Um, but Free Your Footprint is the environmental arm of everything that we're doing. So my dream is we have, within the 196 group, we have three spokes. We have the adventure part, me running in lovely places and having fun and enjoying it. We have then have the community part, those people that will get involved. So whether it's the nationals, so if we're running in, let's say, Malawi, mm -hmm. it's doing some work with the community. Yeah. And it's also the running community back here. It's also the running community that we support, all, you know, that support me all over the world. So the community element is huge. And then the third arm is the environmentalism. Mm. So we want to be able to make sure that what we're doing is either carbon neutral or carbon negative. And that we are delivering projects that are appropriate that link in with the adventure in the community. So if I go and run um, through Britain, mm -hmm. let's do something with the community, which we are, and let's do something with the environmentalism. So we're making sure that I'm not, you know, just hurting the planet by yeah. what I'm doing. And better, better than that, it's a way for educating myself, my team, my family, my friends, and the people that follow the journey. Um, so free a footprint in a nutshell, our little phrase is, the more you run, the more you help the planet. That's mm -hmm. what we're trying to become. We're trying to become a hub where the initial plan was to become uh, a carbon offsetting functionality, mm -hmm. whereby if you run, let's say, 365 miles in a year, you can then, for free, offset your carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. So you can be carbon neutral just by running. Yeah. And that is our aim. That's our long-term aim. But that's one part of it. That's the carbon offsetting side. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have the, you know, a hydro arm. We're going to have a solar arm. We're going to have mm. a wind energy, all of that. Um, and through all of that, we hope that we can then continue to do good stuff. So let's say we go to a country that actually there's not much need for, or, or you know, it doesn't work to do hydro projects, but maybe it does to do solar projects. Yeah. Um, and so we then know, and we have the the contacts, the third party partners that are supporting us, um, and we have the volunteers that know what they're doing. Um, so we're not just going in cold, going in, oh yeah, we want to do some good for the planet, because this whole thing started because I offset my carbon emissions for 196, mm. the one, yeah, running the world. Um, and so I... I had no idea about it when I did that. Mm. And, and and now I want to be able to, I've learned, learned from it that offsetting is so much more than just helping the planet. You help the communities mm. uh, and through helping the communities, they can then go on and do bigger and brighter things. So it's just exponential through that. Um, so I'm really, in, and I know we were speaking about, you know, the amount of energy that hits the earth and all that sort of yeah. stuff. It's just crazy. The amount of potential out there. So free your footprint is that side. And so it's funded by and backed by how, you know, if I, if I go out running yeah. and I'm offsetting for free, who's, who's, on the other side of that equation? We don't know yet because that's not ready yet. Mm. So at the moment, we're working with uh, Gold Standard. Mm -hmm. So for Run Britain, as a classic example, with Free or Footprint, we have uh, an agreement with uh, Ecofiltro. Yes. Uh, that you how know we met, yes. out in, how we met exactly out in Guatemala, um, which is a water filtration uh, non-profit whereby they deliver clean drinking water to communities in Guatemala. And so we had a conversation with Philip. Mm-hmm owner of, uh, of Ecofiltra, and we said, we're going to do this trip. Well, how can you support us? And he said, well, if we set up a Strava club, and we already have a Strava club for free of footprint, and that's how we started. Yeah. And we say, right, well, we're going to get the communities around Britain to 
every runner, even a non-runner, if you're already running, brilliant, just join the club, it's free, you don't have to do anything else. And if we hit a million miles over those 100 days as a community, which is a big amount, mm. but I think we will get there because we can just you know shout about it and hopefully we'll have enough media. If we, have a, if we hit a million miles as a running community on Strava during those 100 days, Philip and through Ecofiltro has agreed to give uh, clean water, clean drinking water to 25,000 kids for five years. Mm. And as you know, those filters then mean that less trees are being cut down. They have the less fumes that they're inhaling because they don't have to burn so much wood. Yep. Um, and so that's just one little part of it. And so the answer to your question of who is behind it, we want thousands of partners to be able to support mm. us simultaneously to do lots of things. So let's say in five years from now, when I'm running another trip, mm. we can have 10 times what uh, Philip is offering us through Ecofiltro mm. um, with other industries. So with solar projects, with drilling wells, with all sorts of stuff all over the place, just by using the, the sport of running to do that and virtually. So Free Your Footprint is is all about that. Um, mm. So gold standard, they are giving away, um, they're a carbon offsetting function, the gold standard, I think, of, of offsetting. Um, and they've, uh, they've offered us 100 people's worth of annual offset okay so every day of the 100 days we're going to give a random person that's following us carbon neutrality for the year mm. um, i mean i think it's so such a, an interesting conversation because we're all becoming far more aware that i mean we're, we're here this is a good example we're mm. in we're in van life here you've mm. got solar panels on the roof mm. all of this but there's still there's still a footprint yeah of course and and we as humans, whether we're flying, whether we're eating vegan, all of these different things that we can do to limit yeah. it, but there's still, we have a natural footprint mm. that we're, we're, we create on the earth. Yes. And that consciousness is now affecting our actions. But I think also the whole offsetting discussion mm. is quite intimidating. You know, mm. when I was looking at, at how do we Agree, yeah. offset impact marathon, I went through a lot of websites, a lot of research. There's a lot of different estimations on the cost of what it should be and yeah. what it could be. There's a lot of different theories around, around you know, how to implement offsetting programs because it isn't as simple as, oh, we plant lots of trees. No, because, it's not. And there's uh, also better ways. You know, isn't completely, yeah. 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 And, and there's ways, you know, you plant a tree, you're looking at impact 30 years down the line. There's things that we need to do now. Um, and that can be everything from the insulation of houses in inner city areas in northern cities in America that so i mean throughout this we've got poppy the dog mm -hmm. who seems restless in the van today and She's wanting to be on the podcast let's not, let's not talk um, about her now she'll wake up no <laughs> big mistake yeah um how did you first go about that when you first said i need to carbon offset mm. Where did you go next? Because I went straight on Google and went through a lot of different options. I ended up with Stanford Trees, and we talked to Michael Radamir earlier on in this yeah. series, who, as with you, with what you said, they focus so much on the communities around yeah. forest areas to say, yeah. if you want to stop deforestation, you have to replace the income yeah. in a different way. You have to yeah. support them. Um, where did you go next at that point? Um, my memory is fuzzy with it. I think we went, I think I did the same thing, Googled mm. it. And we eventually ended up having a conversation with a brilliant chap called Tom from Natural Capital Partners. Mm -hmm. um, and they're similar to Gold Standard, they're offsetting. And he said, and I said, look, what can we do? I don't know how much these, I didn't, didn't know if it was 10,000 pounds. I didn't know if it was 20p yeah. right, to offset. I had no idea. And never, and this is how the whole journey started of me learning about what we can do to help the environment. And they then said, right, well, we need to understand what you're going to be doing. You know, how many flights mm. are you going to be taking? What's your diet like? Because that affects the true number of, because if you're, you know, 
whether you're a meat eater or, or yeah. dairy or whatever. So there's all these different bits. And then they add a, a, an extra percentage as a buffer. Um, and then they go away and calculate it. And I was thinking it was about four or five days later, I had an email with, this is the workings out that we've done. Mm. Um, and they then sent me a PDF with a, um, and they, they sponsored it. So I didn't have to pay for it, which I think is not much either. Mm. I, I was expecting, I think it's about... A, um, correct me if I'm wrong, about £120, £140 for a year, general person's yeah. years. Well, I think America is a little bit more expensive because their footprint's a bit bigger and some other countries are a little bit cheaper, but call it £120 average per person per year. And so this trip, obviously I was doing lots of flights. Mm. Um, I think we ended up, the original calculations was 45 tonnes of CO2 equivalent, yeah. which we then, I believe that then increased and I think we ended up doubling it to 90 because of all of my miscalculations in the beginning <laughs> and the extra amount of flights that we yeah. needed. Um, so it, it worked out that it's quite clever like that. The problem we have with you know giving away 100 people's worth of annual offset is that you don't know how accurate it is. Mm. All you can do is kind of over-egg it a little bit to make sure that it's definitely covered, which I think is obviously the better way. Yeah, you know, so generally speaking, it might end up being carbon negative. But mm. um, I think this is the future. I think solar energy, I think all of the... you know We're working with Ocean Bottle as well, who mm. developed these fantastic bottles that support you know, the projects with ocean plastics and i in all honesty i'm i had no idea about it and i didn't genuinely didn't care before running the world i just mm. was blissfully ignorant which also is extraordinary in some ways um because and i don't mean this in a sort of mm. negative critical way because we we know what's in the world that we yeah. we have capacity to see and yeah. understand and you you live here and you've got the ocean yeah. right here yeah. so in theory yeah. plastic bottles should be it but if it's not that's it's I think it's important that we have that discussion as to to why it's not and how we can change that. Yeah. And I think that that's the conversations that weren't really happening in the public eye when we were growing up. So it's very easy for us as, because, as the old men that we are. Yes, yeah, the old men. <laughs> but there's as you say, this beach here, how much plastic is on that beach? Mm. Virtually none. And so that's because people pick it up, yeah. not because it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, as we, as you know, around the other, other parts of the world, there's plastic all over the place because there isn't the infrastructure and to pick it up. And that's just the visible. And that's just the right? visible bits. And that's exactly. a whole different question um, after that. So, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. But yeah, there's... Right. there's um, well, I mean, I think it, going back to free your footprint for a second, uh, mm. it's, there's almost like a build it and they will come field of dreams approach to it, yeah. which... Um, I think I always, uh, well, I always relate to. Mm. And I think when it comes to doing good, having an impact, philanthropy as a whole is quite an intimidating space. Mm. Um, there are a lot of real experts um, oh, yeah. fighting climate change. There are a lot of real experts looking at international development in, in each of the different countries. Um, and so when you want to be involved in that conversation, when you want to take your first steps, it can be super intimidating. You can have a conversation that makes you just go, oh, I'm, I don't really understand any of it. It's a little bit easier when you have friends like you, though, Nick, because I can just <laughs> call you and go, how do I do this? And exactly as we did for the 196 Foundation. Well, so. this is it. And 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 uh, and 196 is a really good example of where it's a, another build it and they will come mm. approach. You're saying, we know that there's something here that we can do better. We know there's something we can try and experiment with. And we're, I think the key element that I've always felt with with going into that uh, that journey of having an impact and, and and thinking about our positive legacy is recognizing right at the beginning how little we actually really know and yeah. understand. And so the one nine six foundation, which you know we've set up 
together in partnership in a way. Yeah. Um, focuses on how to democratize that process of giving. So I'm going to throw it over to you to explain a little bit more about how that's yeah. come about. Because the first time you, we, I knew about it was when we were running in, in Kigali, in Rwanda. Yes. And you chatted to me about 196. And obviously that's a very emotive place to be running and mm. talking about mm. uh, development and that side of things. And I thought there's something in that. There's something very cool about the simplicity of that. And then we didn't talk about it again. I was bubbling away in yeah, the background. I was like, well, yeah. I must talk to Nick about that because I think the hardest thing is going to be the selection of projects to genuinely make an impact. And that's the, the biggest challenge I've come across with impact. Yeah. How do you select projects that are really the most powerful ways yeah. to create an impact in a positive, uh, without the potential negative outcomes? Yeah. That, that Shall I happen? explain the general... Let's go, with, let's go, with the, go back to the start of, yeah. of 196. Because it's... You're absolutely right. That's going to be the, the difficult bit. So the 196 Foundation, the name is from running the world 196, the amount of countries in the world that I've run a marathon in, 196. And so that's 196 group. The number 196 is just so important to me because it basically changed my life. And so the 196 Foundation is just like um, Alex Honnold's foundation, you know, the Honnold Foundation, I think as my surname is Butter, I don't <laughs> think the Butter Foundation would have probably <laughs> gone down very well. So we went with the 196 Foundation, which I really like because I didn't want to just set up another charity as well because we were speaking about uh, how many charities are set up and then they don't do much good. There's lots of infrastructure behind, lots of people paid to do things and admin that then doesn't really filter down to the right place. So I wanted to set something up that could support existing charities, existing nonprofits, existing entities, whether it's a groups of people, whether it's families all over the world, in every single country where people needed help. So it could be that, you know, a next door neighbour maybe has a a child with a disability or somebody needs a wheelchair down the road or you know it would really be helpful if we go and set up an orphanage somewhere or build a school or it could you know the whole range of things so it doesn't have to be small doesn't have to be big just has to be the right impact mm. for the community that we're helping and so the idea with 196 is two things number one we are asking for tiny donations from lots of people. So our little strap line is many donations, uh, small donations, many people, big impact, big change. Mm. Um, and so we're asking for £1.96 per month mm -hmm. from every donor. No more, no less. So nobody can... So I can't give, give more? No. So you can't give more than £1.96 per month because I want there to be an equal playing field. Mm. I want everybody to have an equal say in who we help and so this is the second part of it so not only is the amount tiny you know mm. 20 was it 23 pound 52 23 pound 54 a year uh yeah a year which is ridiculous at less than you know less than two pounds a month then i'm hoping that and my concept for that was a it fits really nicely with the the 196 number but also when you're when you're trying to save money and you go through your bank statements and going, which one shall I get rid of? £1.96 is so tiny. Mm. I'm hoping people will continue their direct debits and, and be able to help. So all of that money goes into a central pot. And the idea is that we then deliver one project per year. And when I say we, I'm talking about my friends, people like you and I that mm. will help volunteers to do something. We'll bring in experts. None of them will be paid. Um, it'll all be voluntary, whether it's, you know, we need a builder, whether we need a psychologist, whether we need mm. whoever it may be, there'll be volunteers. Um, and the money goes towards just general materials or anything that needs to be paid for on the ground. Um, 
And the extra bit, the bit that you're, you're, you're touching on is the democratic donorship element, which I don't know if I've made that phrase up. I think I might have done. Look, I mean, going through this process, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't come across a similar model. No. I've been, and I've done a bit of research on it since then. Um, and there isn't a lot out there. No. I don't see the word democratic donorship. So no. I think you can, I think you I can, know. Okay, I can take that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can take yeah, that Add that to 196. <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> the, the democratic donorship means that every year, every August, we, for a month, we send an email out to all of the donors uh, and we say to them, we've got 100 people, 100 projects that have uh, applied to us for help. Mm-hmm. And together with our, 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 our board members and our team, we have whittled them down to three options. Mm-hmm. And that will be based on what funds we have available and how, how easily, and you know, the, the ease benefit model of how what the benefit is and how easy we can deliver it. We then give those three options out to all of the donors Mm -hmm. and we ask them to vote on what project they want to support. And so they have a voice and the more they donate, the the louder their voice up to one vote per month. Mm -hmm. So you don't ever have more than 12 votes in a year. So every August, if you've donated every month for that, from August to August, you'll get 12 votes yeah. and you can cast those however you like. You know, you can split them evenly or you can go all in on one project. So it's not a first past the post British democracy here. We've got, yeah. we've got sort of single transferable votes here. Yes. Um, so you can say I've got 12 votes. So you could feasibly say, I want to put four in each of the three because yeah. I, I love all of these projects. Yeah. Not very helpful, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you could. Yeah. <laughs> you have the right to do that yeah. because, because you're saying, oh, I don't have an opinion. I like all of these. I'll let people who care more passionately or believe in one thing yeah. more, therefore, then sway the vote. Yeah. It's my instincts that most people will vote on, you know, 80% of their votes will go on one yeah. project and 20% on another. Yeah. It's my instincts. But we'll see. But we'll see. It could be. Could but be that's, what, that's what's so yeah. fun about this. Um, and what I'm enjoying about being part of the project is there's a lot of good concept. But lots of things we don't know. Mm. Because the, the democratic donorship model is not something that's that's really happened before, yeah. there's nothing we're basing it off apart from our knowledge about the things we like and don't like about democracies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um and how we would want there's philanthropy also, to look like. There's also a benefit of the in my opinion of the democratic process is I don't know. Mm it feels wrong to go take the take all the money and then go well I think we should go and do this mm. because well, I don't know if that's actually where is most helpful it's yeah. just my opinion so the more people we the more people's opinion we have then the more likely we are to get the right kind of change and going. it takes it away from it being about you and I think that yeah, that's one of the, the the challenges you have when you have a foundation if it was uh, the Butter Foundation even as yeah. soon as it's the Butter Foundation or the Kershaw Foundation yeah. um You've already put yourself in the position of being the, the chief um, arbiter of what is yeah. good yeah. or what is bad. Yeah. And by taking this model, you've said, okay, I've got a platform and I believe in my community and followers. Yeah. So let's, and it really actually brings people into the process rather than just giving and seeing the impact. Yeah. There's a decision. Yeah. I, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited. And, um, you know, this first August is not that far away mm. and we've only just launched. Um, and so we may not have many options to give people. Yeah. And then there's a, another option of emailing people out. And, and this is, again, it says on the website is that if we only have, let's say we have 500 quid in the pot come August, um, maybe it makes sense to 
email all the donors and say, would you like to roll over until the following year? And yeah. we'll put that to the vote. You know, they'll decide what we do. Yeah. Um, or it may be that um, somebody desperately needs a wheelchair or somebody mm. desperately needs some form of support that we have the funds for. And so let's do that. Um, I'm excited. And I have to say that I'm very grateful for your help. Mm genuinely because we wouldn't have been able to push it live when we did without it you know you introduced us to giving works to the donor box concept of how we take those donations through the website um and i was just since our conversation with Pigali, <laughs> going around in circles not wanting to go down a non-profit a charity there's so many options yeah i have to say it's it's so hard to yeah. find the right way um and then connecting with you connecting to giving works connecting to donor box making sure the website is ready making sure we've got people that have done the governance you know annabelle's uh, who's volunteering who i used to work with it's brilliant as you mm. found out at work, making sure the governance is all there in the background uh, but that's again in the in the right kind of ethos of everything that we're doing it's yeah. community support so you have but i think it's also an important thing for anyone that's listening is to you know when you've got an idea when you share it, it it, it gives it legs. Mm. Um, if you've got an idea and you're holding it to yourself because you're, it could be because you don't want anyone else to take your idea, or it could be because, yeah. um, which for the record, most people don't take your ideas because it's a lot of work to start something, and most yes. people don't want to do that work. So never have that yes. as a fear to hold you back. It could be that people think you're it's stupid, or it could be you know you're trying to solve it in your head, but you don't always have the headspace to do it when you. You know, That's and so and true. I've been doing the same. I'm like, what's he going to do with that? I wonder what's going to happen with that. I should probably help. Yeah. and get involved but i didn't i didn't reach out any earlier than that um and i probably should have but it's a bit but you know and, and that's what i got from it was as soon as i said hey what's happening with that you straight away were it's a good question nick yeah and suddenly you went from being kind of yeah. I, he's probably got it covered to oh okay cool i can genuinely help on yeah. quite a few fronts now yeah and then within what, within yeah. a week we had we had we had momentum within a week yeah within within a week we had momentum but within four weeks it was the foundation yeah, <laughs> um and you know and all of the you know i created that website when i spoke to you in kigali mm. the website was already made <laughs> i just didn't have any of the back end understanding of how to you legally make sure that because the worst thing to do is to do something badly you, yeah. know, you don't want to go yeah i'm just donate everybody put some money into a paypal account and it all be completely dodgy and even if it's not you're not meaning yeah. to be dodgy if it yeah. appears to be dodgy then you've discredited what you're doing immediately so you've got to do it right um um mostly again it sounds silly but mostly for the right perception you know mm. if you're not perceived to be doing the right thing then nobody will so i'm very keen on making sure that all of that governance that we've worked hard to put in place is going to be be kept there um, and then we have the next challenges of making sure we publicize it, get enough donations in, share the message. Mm. And applications. And applications. And applications for grants. Yeah. You know, there's something we've not, uh, not talked, talked about. about yet. This is the other side. So there's donation side, people donating to put money into the pot, but then we need to understand how we're going to draw money from that pot and which project to support. And that means that if you know somebody that you're listening to this and you think, actually, yeah, there's, I went to this country and they they really need help in this area or whether it's, uh, somebody next door to you that um, that needs help because they maybe not as small as you know maybe they need some help every week with their shopping. Mm. But it's not to say don't don't ask for that, you know, because there could be things that we can really help with. Yeah. The other brilliant aspect of this whole community piece is that we're going to get all of these applications in, and we're going to support one project per year. Yeah. But the other projects we can then push these to people that we know using our networks and and, and contacts to be able to make 
some form of headway in that change. So, so, so any organisation yeah. from anywhere in the world can, or even not not organisation, organisation, no, to be be that official. Any, any group, yeah, basically any any group or individual. So literally yeah. anything. So it, it could be your neighbours, yeah, that have a son that needs a wheelchair and you can't afford the wheelchair, yeah, and you go. My next door neighbours, their son, Ben, mm-hmm. they need a wheelchair. It costs £3,000. Fine. Yeah. And then the best bit about the foundation, and as I know we've spoke about a lot, Nick, is that we're going to try and make sure that, A, we're very transparent with the yeah. impact that we're having, um, but also that we are stretching every single pound and penny that we are spending. So rather than just go, okay, well, that, that wheelchair costs £3,000. Mm-hmm. We'll go and buy a £3,000 wheelchair. It's that we spend our time finding out a company that maybe can subsidize what we're doing Mm. with this foundation. We want to support this person. Can you give us the wheelchair for 1500 pounds? And then that means we've got another 1500 pounds. We can buy somebody else another wheelchair. So I think there is, there is ways to do it very savvily. Is that a word? Savvily. Savvily. It should be a word. It feels feels like it is not a word though. (laughs) We'll we'll take it. In a savvy way. In a savvy way. Savvily. Savvily. Yeah. So my point being is that we're going to be, we're going to be sensible with, mm. with what we do and we're going to use our, our brain. Our I, th- I think I, I see it as a talk. There's so many good, pro- you know, whether it's organizations or groups, as you said, or, or individuals, there's a lot of good, good projects out there already on the front line and what they they lack is funding and support yes and so rather than us saying cool we're going to set up this and we're going to put all of these uh we're not trying to be another uh, another organization we're trying to to sort of yeah support others lift others up through the process and not necessarily we don't even have a focused agenda in that respect which is stuff that i'm also nervous about because i don't know how that's going to play out but it's worth worth testing i'm a bit anxious about that as well i i think though that most of because the 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 donors are going to vote Mm. so they'll get the say you know if they think actually having given one person a wheelchair that impact does that end with that family potentially or maybe that means that that one person goes on and does great things and then the impact is huge so you've got arguments for both but i think when I first thought of it, it was, you know, you have the grant, you have a pot of money, then you go and support a project yeah. that is a part of a non-profit organisation. Yeah. But I don't think it has to stop there. And I think mm. the a reason to do it is because there's not much of that going on. Mm. Um, it has to be a, uh, a good ratio between the spend. Um, uh, I think, and we need to work out what that is. And mm. that's, we don't know those answers. So yeah. we're just going to keep learning as we go. And if anybody is listening to this that wants to help us work that out, because mm. um, I think in the fullness of time, we'll probably develop a, a kind of a, a mechanism to be able to whittle all of those applications down in a better way. Mm. Um, yeah, help us, you know, yeah. just call on everybody to give us a hand and we can then hopefully help help everybody else that's asking for the, the support. Before we get, kicked off of the esplanade here mm. Mm. um the one question we ask everybody on the show mm. and this is uh, a good question for you <laughs> and i guess um it's not what my favorite country is isn't it it's not not what your favorite country is <laughs> cool. how many people have asked you that question i'd say nearly two thousand. i know the answer is guatemala so <laughs> yeah it's, it's guatemala <laughs> um, it's mine as well so it'll get, i can't say that out loud mm. no the nepali runners are gonna, gonna nah. <laughs> Oh no! And Nepal. Oh, and Nepal, and Jordan actually, and Kenya. I I love them all. <laughs> um, the question is, and I'd love the answer from a personal and also from an impact perspective. Mm. So, personal being um, you yourself when you wake up in the van each morning, okay. and impact being when you look ahead for 
um, the world, for humans, for community. Yeah. What makes you optimistic? Because there's a lot of pressure to not be optimistic now. It's a lot. It's really easy to, mm. to not have that optimism. You are naturally mm. um, an optimistic person. What is it that you, is there something you do or is it something that you naturally feel? That's a good point. I think it is two words for both those scenarios, mm -hmm. context and perspective. Having the understanding of the wider world and knowing a how lucky I am personally just to be able to be born with my sight and my legs and all of that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. And that makes me optimistic for the future because I know the grander scale of the, the planet and having read various books and listened to podcasts and watched documentaries, although we have horrendous things going on in the world and we still have, you know, two million children dying under the age of five every year because they don't have enough food, all these things that are terrible, we are still in the best place we have been in. Mm -hmm. The upward trend is there. We are improving and not just slowly, we're improving greatly. And so I want to be a, a tiny, tiny part of that upward curve. Mm -hmm. But being, I'm not always wake up optimistic. I don't always <laughs> wake up like that. I, you know, I wake up sometimes and it's raining and horrible and I've, I'm achy. And certainly when I'm just about to do Run Britain, there's going to be days when my brain is not optimistic. Mm. But I think overarching positivity is breeds breeds positivity and there's the whole concept and as i wrote in the book you know you are the sum of those around you if you can surround yourselves with people like yourself nick and not just blowing smoke but it's true mm. just positive impactful supportive people that understand the bigger picture like i again wrote in my book about my previous boss razzy just my boss in finance just my boss in finance but he understood the wider world and that gives me huge, that gave me huge platforms to do other things. Mm -hmm. So I suppose what gives me, what gives me optimism? I'm fortunate. I value life. I've experienced things in my life, like meeting Kevin, who was mm -hmm. diagnosed and only had two years to live. Um, friends of mine who died young, um, friends of the family who've died, you know, their fifties and sixties, which is still way too young. Um, and they've been really influential people in my life. And so when you have that, you then do mm. also think, you know, life could be worse. And I think that's a that's a positive. I think a lot of people damn social media mm. because there's a lot of negativity and I'm not taking that away. But there's a lot of positive there yeah. as well. You know, I was looking at a, a story this morning about, I um, can't remember his name now, a, a blind guy who's a, a Paralympian in judo. Mm -hmm. And he talks him through, you know, how he makes a sandwich, how he mm. pours a cup of water, how he lives his life. And I just think it makes me really well up because we're just so fortunate yeah. and we don't understand it. And I feel like, the group of people that I've met, you know, unknowingly along my life have mm. kind of just given me that positive impact. Mm. Um, and I know we were discussing the the slight nuances of words of rather than telling your child, don't do that or you can't do that. Yeah. You're using the words of perhaps do this, try this. Yeah. What about this? Um, and those kind of things. And I've had that in my upbringing. So I think it was almost, I was almost gifted optimism from the people that I know. Um, it's not something that, I think you can do internally. I think you have to have the right people around you to make that happen. Well, the right question, my answer. I, there, there's no, there's no <laughs> right or wrong answer to that question. It's really interesting. Everyone's got a very different take on what optimism is. Um, but you know, generally speaking, if if we're having a conversation on a show like this, the person's probably got a strong optimistic <laughs> kind of focus and 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 yeah, yeah and 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 can often actively know what they do to and it could yeah. just be the cup of tea in the morning where they they yeah. and the gratitude and all of those different things it could be faith it could be a lot yeah. of different things that yeah. make us optimistic um but i think it's so important that we as content creators whether it's you on your with your 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 instagram following or, or through impact marathon and this show 
that we do have a people come out of it empowered by that moment yeah. and it's so easy to not it's so easy to tell stories that don't empower yeah. that i really like to make sure that no matter what we do we always look at it from the angle of the empowerment story and yeah. and how that can lift someone up and most people listen to this while they're running yeah. so um yeah. it's something that you want to be just as you know just as we've done these last few days while we're running we have these great flowing conversations yeah. and we kind of wanted to recreate that mm. um, but focus in on empowerment focusing on on creating a positive impact and helping people take those first steps when it's so much easier not to yeah i i think the the easiest the easiest first step for anybody listening to just try and kind of level up your internal feeling hmm. of how you're you know your the legacy you're leaving is to just do exactly that is to think about think about who you are and what you want to be remembered for when you're not here um and if it is to be that person that moaned about the commute every day or if it's that person that worked in that company to earn lots of money to buy a big tv mm. then cool fine yeah. but if it's something else then start to make that a reality by thinking about it more yeah. i think that's the easiest first step think you know, about it more think and share it, it with someone and share, share it with somebody yeah i think there's a balance there sharing it with somebody absolutely 100 agree with that but share it with them when you have a formed idea mm. and whether that that formed idea then completely does a 180 and it's something different after another conversation but share it with somebody when you have a formed idea and you can answer some basic questions yeah um, because i think that's when the ball will start to roll as opposed to just spin yeah 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 that's an interesting one because if you talk to someone and you don't have the formed ideas and they ask you some basic questions you don't have the answers it's pretty demoralizing you're like oh, okay no i don't know this is a terrible idea yeah. and it's not yeah. It's just you haven't given it. And it also the, may become something that you weren't intending it to be. Yeah. Um, so if you have an idea and you go like, this is definitely the way I want it to be. And I knew that the 196 wanted to be a democratic yeah. thing. If I didn't understand that before I spoke to you about it, we could have ended up just starting another charity. Yeah. You know, it yeah. could have something. Yeah. So I think it's important to have mm. that, but definitely do share the ideas and um, write stuff down. Brilliant. Um, yeah, definitely write stuff down. Awesome. Well, let's move on. Let's uh, let's get off this esplanade, crack on with your training, and uh, I'm gonna yeah. head on back. But thank you so much, um, not just for the time we've we've literally crammed in just at the end of this trip to to, to do this, um, but also just you know I really didn't. I remember waking up that morning in Guatemala and being like, I'm hmm. I don't even really like. I can't be bothered. I've got a lot of things yeah. on. It's busy. I'm two weeks away from a race. Um, and I remember walking into the hotel reception, the Porter Hotel in Antigua, uh, and uh, you coming in. And there is just something about the way you carried yourself, which was slightly different to a lot of the adventures that I've... I've slow? It's <laughs> just so slow. Um, and uh, the energy that you gave to, you know, one of our team, Abby, uh, yeah. turned up in her yoga gear because she was literally going to a yoga class. Uh, six hours later, she'd run around uh, for 42 kilometers. <laughs> with you um <laughs> and and had loved it right yeah. and that was a second marathon only and the people i've met through that rocio is my my guatemala mother lorenzo sweeps our course every year yeah. um, anna maria also always runs the 42 kilometer even though she's 73 years old unbelievable and they all came into my life because of of you getting out of bed and going to the hotel because of getting out of bed and going to the hotel and because you got out of the bed yes. uh, in the hotel and came down to the lobby and didn't just sob upstairs in your room thinking I can't do it <laughs> yes, um, so thank you so much for your no. friendship since then as well and, thank you, and what we've done and uh, yeah I'm the sure the future is bright we've yeah. got lots of stuff to do and uh, well I'm sure we'll have many more of these conversations but I think in 10 years from now this is this is just the beginning isn't it yeah so it's exciting thank you awesome mate. thanks man 
Hey, it's Nick here. Just a quick message before you go. If you have been inspired by today, if you've learned new things, then please leave a comment, leave a review, share it with your friends. It helps us to inspire and empower more people today. If you want to reach out, just message me on Instagram at njkershaw. And until next time, go out there and be awesome.